we're going to start a sermon series today um, that is uh, something that I've been looking forward to for a while, and it is called um, You Ask For It. Um, uh, back in Easter, we sent out a little survey to everybody who came on Easter because Easter is the Sunday when everybody comes to church. And so everybody's in the room at the same time. And so we, we, we handed out this little uh, card and we asked people, you know, tell us what you would like to hear us preach about. And so um, we are doing a sermon series now based on the top um, requests from that card. And the number one request, which is actually going to get two weeks of of your time because it was so overwhelmingly the number one request is how do I find my purpose? How do I find my purpose in life? And so we're going to be talking about that today. We're also going to talk about that next week. And today we're going to um, um, blend it in with, with a little something that we are doing today, which is we are launching our fall semester of small groups. Come on, somebody. That's exciting. Small groups. Yeah, anybody, anybody like, yeah, we, we, we've been doing some small groups. We did some in uh, uh, the winter semester. Um, we did a few, and then we did a few more in the summer semester. Well, now uh, in our first fall, uh, we are doing um, more small groups than we've ever done before, and we're wanting more people to be involved in small groups than ever before. And so um, it just so happens that this particular how do I find my purpose question is actually linked in with uh, small groups. And so we're going to be talking about that. Something going on. Are we good? Okay, it just seemed like lights were, it was like a disco going on back here. Um, and so it's my, it's, my, it's my joy to talk to you about how to find your purpose. Um, and today we're actually going to sort of intro that thought with really um, where to find, to, to find your purpose. Like if you're looking for your purpose, um, there is a how, but there's also a where. Like where do you start looking? And so I believe that really your purpose is not going to be found by yourself. Your purpose is not going to be found you and Jesus out in the woods somewhere. Um, that's not how God has set this whole thing up. Purpose, uh, the place of purpose, where we start looking is actually in Christian community. And so that's what we're going to be focusing on today. Uh, we're going to look at John 15, um, verse 5 through 15. And this is Jesus. This is all red letters. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. And um, uh, I mean, this is a, a, a famous passage, but I would like to read that. He says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Jesus is the vine, we are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, this is amazing, you can ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you would bear much fruit. Now, remember, he's talking about a vine and a branch. So the, the branch, the glory, comes from the fruit that that branch can present, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Verse 9, he says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now I want you to remain in my love. That's key. Um, the love of Jesus, the love of God, is a powerful, wonderful thing. But the great question that many people have is, how do I remain? How do I stay in this love? Well, verse 10 says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you. 
How many of you would you, would you like Jesus' joy inside of you? Like, that's pretty awesome. The purpose of fruitfulness is not simply for God's benefit. It is for your joy. He says, I'm telling you these things because I want joy in you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you you. And so, so he's, he's, he's wrapping it up there, what the command is. He says, this is how you remain in my love, okay? You keep my command. And then he says, let me tell you what my command is, to love each other. That's, that's how you remain. That's how you stay. And then he says, greater love is no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. He's describing the kind of love in which he is going to love them. He says, you are my friend if you do what I command, if you love each other. Verse 15, he says, no longer will I call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. <laughs> Instead, I call you friends. Isn't that amazing that Jesus would call us friends? He, he says, I don't call you servants, even though I could. I call you friends. For everything that I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we thank you for this day and for this opportunity to share your word. I pray that as we open up your word, God, that you would just reveal yourself. We need to see Jesus as really who we need to see. Uh, all of the other illustrations and anecdotes cannot, cannot make up for the person of Jesus Christ. And when we see him, he changes us. When we see him as he is, he changes us. So may we see Jesus in your word. Lord, we thank you for your love. Uh, that has been spread to us, that's been shared to us. Thank you for your, your word that shows us how to share it with other people. Uh, thank you that the season is long and UT will have several other chances to be awesome. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs> um, had, this is probably a guy question, but um, I'll just throw this out there. Has, have any of you ever bonded with somebody uh, over a video game? <laughs> all right, all the, all the ladies don't know what I'm talking about, but for us guys and for ladies who love guys and know guys, you know that video games are a part of our lives. I mean, ever since pretty much 1985, video games have been a part of our lives, and I'm going to date myself a little bit here, but um, I was about seven years old when, when video games first sort of invaded my life as a little system, 8-bit graphic system known as Nintendo. Anybody remember the original? Not 64, not Super, not any, you know, just, just it's like a box. Yeah. A and B, up and down, left and right, start and select. I mean, that's what we're talking about here. It was, it was, I was, I was seven years old, and it was like my dream. I mean, I could preach the whole sermon just on that Christmas. Like, that Christmas was, uh, like, that was like Jesus coming back, basically. I don't, I don't know that anything has ever topped that Christmas, because it was just amazing. And it was Nintendo, you know, Super Mario Brothers. Come on, somebody. Super Mario Brothers was just, I was just so many levels, and you keep running and jumping on things, and turtles, and you throw them, and all this kind of stuff. And then Duck Hunt came with it as well. And yeah, yeah, duck hunt was good. I personally liked the part where they, they shot the saucers better because the ducks were kind of annoying, but the saucers were kind of cool. Um, and, and, and I had a younger brother. So my brother and I um, obviously uh, really liked video games. 
The problem, though, with many of the video games is they were, they were one-player video games. So, you know, like, my brother was younger than me, and he had this, the, the severe disadvantage of being my brother, because I am so awesome at video games, <laughs> that he kind of had to wait around a lot. And, uh, you know, because we would go by, like, how, like, whenever you die, that's when the next person gets to go. And so he was, like, four or five, and so he would die pretty quick, and then I would last quite a while. But, you know, we kind of had this, this sibling rivalry. And then there were other kinds of two-player games that were more um, uh, competitive. So you have ra racing games. There was, there was that one where the car, like, jumped. I don't know if you remember that, but the car jumped and landed on other cars. That was pretty cool. Um, but then there was, there was this place, and this is really dating myself, but... There was a time in space in which we would go to a, a physical store called Blockbuster, and you would rent cartridges that you would take home and play video games. And um, well, one of the games that we rented was Guerrilla War. Does anybody remember Guerrilla War? If you if you've forgotten, I I, I have the little the little uh, screenshot of of Guerrilla War right there. <laughs> It was it was awesome. I mean, it was it was everything. One thing that's interesting, and, and and yeah, you guys can keep checking that out. It's pretty cool. One thing that's interesting though about video games, that I'm kind of into psychology, and so there's a lot of study that's been done about what video games do for boys and what video games do for guys, and and it's interesting how video games basically encompass almost everything that a guy needs to be happy in life. Um, it's really interesting, Psych psychologically, obviously not everything, but it does, it does stuff for us, you know, like we're conquering guys in the jungle, we're shooting lasers and flamethrowers, but this game was special because this game actually, if you played this game two-player, there would be two guys at the same time trying to accomplish the same purpose. And so, yeah, you guys can go ahead and turn that off, otherwise no one's going to listen to me anymore, because <laughs> video games are way too exciting. But you had two guys on the field accomplishing the same purpose, and so I remember when my brother and I first rented this game, I was probably about eight or nine, and we went home and played it, and um, it was the first game that I felt like Pete and I, my brother, we kind of bonded. It was the first time that we weren't sort of like mad at each other after we played, you know, because either he'd be mad because I would crush him, because I'm also very competitive. So that's not good either when you're older and good at games and competitive. And so, you know, it was either like he would be sort of upset because I had beat him in the game or he'd be upset because I had played too long or you know, it was always some kind of. But this was kind of the first game where we we accomplished a mission together. Like together, we both had flamethrowers. And even though he wasn't as good as me, I was like wiping out bad guys, you know, and and it helped that you have infinity lives in this game, too. Like as soon as you die, you come right back, which is awesome. And so we actually beat the game. It's a first game that, that I ever beat personally is before I was able to beat Super Mario Brothers, before I was able to buy the magazine that gave me the codes to how to beat Super um, And it was a bonding experience. And so as I was thinking about this week's topic, thinking about finding our purpose, I, I thought about my brother and I sitting there uh, in our living room beating this game together. Because that's what I would love for each and every one of you to play video games together. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, like all the guys are like, yeah, this is a great church. I like this church. It's a video game church. Um, I, I would love for you to be in that kind of community where you are um, approaching a similar goal together. You're accomplishing it 
together. It doesn't matter. Maybe you're uh, really good at it. Maybe you're not so good at it. But you're a part of a team that when you work together, you beat the game. You accomplish what you were called to accomplish. And personally, I feel like this is what we were actually created for. This kind of camaraderie, this kind of brotherhood or sisterhood. I mean, this is what we, we were created to live in community. And, and even though our culture puts a lot of emphasis on, on personal, individual achievements, um, the Bible tells us that in the very beginning, God made an individual. His name was Adam. And then about five minutes later, God said, this, this isn't good. <laughs> and so God made somebody else. Her name was Eve. And Eve was to be a helper uh, that was equal to Adam. And Adam and Eve were to live in community. And initially, this community was beautiful. It was amazing. They lived in a garden. They didn't have to do any work, first of all. And I don't think there were any fire ants. And, and I'm pretty sure there was air conditioning. Um, so, you know, and, and, and all the animals, like, they all, none of them were anti humans. Uh, like nowadays, like almost every animal is anti-human except like puppies, you know, and kittens. But other than that, I know we got puppy lovers and kitten lovers, so I kind of have to say that. Uh, for some people, you know, they think snakes are, are fine. But this week, like we, we just moved out to a farm four weeks ago. And so I was walking. My wife is very excited. Where is she? Oh, there she is. I just heard woohoo. And so I walk out of the house yesterday, Saturday, uh, no, Friday. I walk out of the house, and there's a snake, like, attacking a frog, like, in our, in our yard. She says a benign snake. There's no such thing as a benign snake. Like, there's benign other things, you know, there's random clouds in the sky that really don't bother me at all. But... But snakes, like, so I, I look around, I find an axe, and so I just walk over there, and I'm like, bam, just took its head off, and I was like, whoa, I felt kind of biblical in that, you know, and manly and everything, and then I went and looked it up on Google, and it was not a poisonous, venomous snake, but I didn't feel bad at all, it's still, it's a dead snake, that's a good snake to me, I like that kind of snake, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, you know, but you know, so, it, and then, and, and, and Michael was really fascinated, our son, he, he just loved seeing the headless snake, you know, but, but this is the environment that we live in now, right, like things are not necessarily conducive to our happiness or to our joy, but in that, in that time frame, the place that God created man to live, there was community between husband and wife, and there was community between husband and wife and God. So there was this unbroken connection vertically and this unbroken connection horizontally, which created an unbroken connection all around, a universal unbroken connection. So there wasn't, nobody was against anybody. There wasn't any of that. It was, it was, it was, it was kind of like what we were reading about where Jesus said, I want my joy to be in you. I want you to love each other. I mean, it was, it was the Garden of Eden. It was awesome. But then Adam and Eve disobeyed God, and they broke that connection uh, between God and themselves. And the, the, the weird thing is they thought they could keep this connection without this connection. And so they attempted to do that, and, and right away, pretty much like the next chapter in the book of Genesis, we find that even this connection, this horizontal connection, was breaking down because they have two sons, and the two oldest sons that they have, one's jealous of the other one, and so one kills the other one. And we have the first murder in the first family. 
And so right away we see that when the horizontal connection between, or the, the vertical connection between God and man is broken, then the horizontal connection between people becomes broken. And that's why I think this is the journey back. If you want to know where to find your purpose, you can start by looking in a horizontal connection in community because this is the way back to what God originally intended for us. And we, we sort of know this intuitively, um, you know, like uh, uh, yesterday, um, uh, Micah, not our Micah, uh, the Lane, Micah Lane had a birthday, and so they invited a bunch of people over to their nice swimming pool of their, of, of their subdivision for people to go swimming together. Now, Micah is going to turn six, whether people come and celebrate or not, but, but for some reason, whenever we are celebrating something, we like to invite other people to celebrate with us. Um, birthdays, anniversary, dinners, I mean, uh, weddings, you know, like we invite a whole bunch of people to it. People we don't even hardly know, like we invite, hey, come celebrate with us, all right. And people are happy to come for the free food and stuff like that, you know. It's like, you know, we, but, but we naturally know that when we're celebrating, we ought to be celebrating with somebody. It's actually more fun. It's more uh, enjoyable to celebrate in community. We also understand this when it comes to learning, right? We have classrooms of a, uh, a group, a host of students. We don't, we don't have just one student and one teacher. We have one teacher with a host of, 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 of other students. And that's not, and that's not because we don't have enough uh, people who want to teach. That's because it's helpful for kids to learn in community. It's helpful for them to see their peers, not, not, not as uh, competitors for the attention of the teacher necessarily, but as collaborators in the system of learning. You learn better when you're in a group. And we also understand this when it comes to sorrow. Any funeral, I've never been to a funeral where there's just one person. Nobody wants to let their family grieve alone. Nobody wants to let their friends grieve alone. We show up to funerals, why? The dead person has no idea that we're there. Like, it's not for them. It's for the living. We show up to support and to undergird and to put a, put a, put a hand on a shoulder of the living and say, I'm here for you. I'm, you're not grieving alone. You're grieving in community. And it makes it easier when we grieve together. It makes it more bearable. I mean, it, it, just, it just does. So, so we understand kind of intuitively that, that community is good. But uh, we often run from community. And so I was looking throughout Scripture, and there's several instances of community, but probably the greatest instance is the passage that we just read, Jesus talking to his disciples. Because when Jesus came to change the world, uh, he did preach to thousands. Like he preached, and he, one time he fed up to 5,000 men alone. They, they, they think probably around 15,000 uh, people that he fed all at once and preached to them. Without like a speaker, without an amplifier, you know, without without a sound system, um, it's really cool to see the 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 the, the um, geography of the place where he taught because there would have been echoes. There was like this this ridge, almost like an amphitheater, and he in, he intentionally sat them all along this hill so that fifteen thousand people could hear him preach without a microphone, and he and he taught and he preached to thousands. There was 120, we know, in the book of Acts that were gathered in the upper room praying uh, for, for, for the Holy Spirit. But at the very center of this group was a smaller group of 12 guys that were known as Jesus' disciples. And these guys were his disciples not because they got a disciple badge. 
right? Like, like, like Jesus didn't give them uh, a title and say, okay, uh, Peter, you are a official disciple. I now dub you disciple Peter, and here is your special handshake, secret handshake, your special coin, and your badge. And now you're a disciple. That's not how they became known as disciples. They became known as disciples because they hung out with Jesus all the time. These guys lived with Jesus for about three years. They, they ate with them. They slept in the same quarters as he did. They, 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 uh, you know, they, they, they lived with him. And that connection, living with Jesus, not just hearing what Jesus taught, but living with him is what created the disciples. That's what made them disciples. They became disciples. And that's what Jesus said when he's talking to them in John 15. He said, what I heard from the Father, I have made known to you. Now, that doesn't mean that he heard it from the Father and he repeated it. He taught it. That's not what he did with his disciples. He didn't just teach them. He made it known to them. There were several people that heard Jesus teach, but not everybody got it. Not everybody, not, not for everybody was it made known to them. The, the secrets of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus are made known in community. Community helps us understand, not just hear the word. Like you can come to church and you can hear uh, Pastor Harry preaching, and that sounds good. But if you really want to understand what is being preached and what is being taught, you have to come into community because you have to, you have to be around other people who are also grappling with the same truths. Um, you know, I mean, if Jesus would have just called one guy, say Peter, he just calls Peter, and Peter goes and follows Jesus, and Peter hangs out with Jesus, Peter really would not have learned as much as he did um, with the other disciples. You say, well, why not? Jesus is an amazing teacher. Of course, Jesus is an amazing teacher, but the problem is Jesus is always right. <laughs> always right. Hey, Jesus, I was thinking maybe we could go to this place to eat. Oh, no, you want to go get fish and chips, okay? All right, you're right. You know? I mean, the guy, dude just walked on the water. What are you going to say? <laughs> I, I, I have a different opinion. No, no, never mind, I don't. You're right. You know? You're, you're right. You're right. You're right. I mean, that's, that's basically, I mean, he wouldn't have been able to develop his character. But when, 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 when you hang out with 12 other guys, that's when there's some really good things that come to the surface. It was in the community of the disciples where, where, where there was accountability. And that's one of the great things for community here at City Chapel and small groups. We would love for you to join. Our version of community is not just Sunday morning services. Like, this is great. This is more of a celebration. But our version of community is what we call small groups, uh, where, where, we, where we gather in small groups throughout the week at people's homes or at Starbucks or to watch football or um, to do very spiritual things, which is engage in community. It's a very spiritual thing to connect with another person who also is seeking after God. Even if you're connecting for fantasy football, come on somebody, because you're going to watch Harry's team win the championship. That, that'll be fun. <laughs> Ricky. Uh, we, 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 we engage in community because within the context of community, there can be accountability. Because whenever you're here, you know, you can high-five and say everything's going great because there's no connection. But when you're in community, then, there, then that's a safe place that you can feel safe to open up and say, well, actually, um, I need prayer for this this week, right? This is something that I'm going through, and I would love support for this. It's a place of 
community. So our small groups are, are a place of accountability where we, where, where we can help each other. And, and the disciples' small group was also a place of accountability. It was in this, this group that Thomas, who was kind of prone to be a doubter, it's in this group that he learned to overcome his doubt. It was in this group of people. As he talked with these other people, I don't know about this, I don't know about that, and Jesus showed up in the middle of their community. Now, if it would have just been Jesus and Thomas, Jesus, Thomas never would have said, oh, I don't know if Jesus was raised from the dead. Because the first thing Jesus would have done is come back to Thomas and said, hey, I'm here, bud, how's it going? He never would have been allowed to deal with his doubt until Jesus took off, and then he would have been shattered because he wouldn't know what to do. But in the context of community, he could open up and tell the other disciples, I don't really know that he's risen. Actually, I think he's probably not. You guys are all lying to me. And it was in that context that Jesus was able to show up and prove himself to Thomas. It was in the context of community, honestly, that Jesus tried to reach out to even Judas, who ended up betraying him. Because it was in the context of community that Judas's greed kind of kind of came to light, and we realized Judas, you got a greed problem. Judas never dealt with the greed problem, and well, things got bad from there. Uh, it was in community that 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 Peter was able to deal with his pride, uh, because you know it's one thing to to say, "Hey, Jesus, I'll never de deny you," but then when other people are around and you say that, and then you got to go back to that same group and say, "Yeah, I kind of did." And they accepted him and welcomed him in. It was in community that, that Peter learned to deal with, with his issues. So all of us have issues. All of us have things going on in our life. And community is a place of growth. Acts um, chapter 2, verse 40. Um, I, I wasn't sure if I was going to read this passage, but it's just kind of funny. So uh, in, in Acts chapter 2, uh, Peter stands up and he's preaching to the masses. And he ends his sermon with this. This is the message um, paraphrase. He says, uh, he went on in this vein for a long time, urging them over and over. And this is finally what he says. He says, get out where you can. Get out of this sick and stupid culture. <laughs> I kind of like that. Jesus loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, by the way. But get out of this sick and stupid culture. That's what Peter is shouting to these people, exclamation point. Well, 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 what happened? Well, that day, 3,000 people got out of a sick and stupid culture, and they stepped into a God culture. Because it's not that we don't just want you to get out of the culture. We want you to step into a God culture. We want you to step into a culture where there is love, where there is unconditional love, where there is acceptance, where there is support. We want you to step into a culture that's not a dog-eat-dog -dog world where people are trying to get ahead and people are worried about their reputations. We want you to step into a culture where you have a safe place that you can share, yes, even your weaknesses, even things that you're not necessarily proud of. And this is the way that Hebrews puts it in Hebrews 10.25. It says, do, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. That word assembly... Um, well, you guys know what that, if, if, if anybody's ever been to Ikea, they know what that word means. Because, <laughs> like, like the, the, the showroom looks great at Ikea, but it took them, like, 11 million hours to put that stuff together. Because there's a bazillion pieces that come in this one box, and then you have these, these wooden dowels that break if you stare at them wrong. 
and and there's little like little hexagon screws. That I don't know why I can't just use regular Phillips, but you know you got this little and, and and everything is the hexagon screw. I don't get what it what's all or hex screw whatever that's called. I don't get what it's all about. But I just like look at and I'm not really a directions kind of person. I don't really read directions. But at IKEA you have to read every single direction. And even after you do, you're gonna take it apart once. You're gonna get halfway through and realize oh that's backwards or upside down or inside out or something is really wrong. And, and, and of course, it won't work any other way. Well, this is what assembly means. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves. You have all these random weird pieces, but when they come together, they create one thing. They, they, they are assembled into something. And so here at City Chapel, we have a lot of wonderful, wonderful, not random or weird people at all. We don't have any weird people here. All just, just, just you know, very normal, very, very middle of the road. Um, <laughs> uh, for some reason, my, my, my wife and I tend to attract folks that are, that are a little bit different. And uh, so I, I, I think that might be because of us. I don't know. Uh, but, but, but here's the deal. Like, all of these random pieces and strange pieces can come together to create something beautiful. When we come together, this is the context of our purpose. Because as a random piece, as a wooden dowel or whatever you are in this body of, 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 of believers, you, you don't, your life doesn't make sense on its own. You can't find its own purpose. But when it comes together with another member and, and another group of members, suddenly the picture begins to come into full view as to where you fit and where you, where you work. And that's exactly what we would love for each and every one of you. Finally, it's a place of, of safety. Uh, our small groups are a place, are places of safety. Um, here, here in a few minutes, I'm going to be talking about our small groups. Before I do, I just want to read a pretty common Bible story about Peter. Peter seems to be the most popular of the disciples. He's the one who's talked about a lot, and for various reasons. Uh, but we find Peter in uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 14, verse 22. This is probably the most popular um, story of Peter. But it's really the end of the story that I think impacts me and, and, and teaches me about this Christian community that we're talking about. It says, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into a boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And uh, after he dismissed the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone, but the boat, with the disciples in it, by this time was a long way from the land, and it was being beaten by the waves because the wind was against them. That's unfortunate. And in the fourth watch of the night, about 3 a.m., he, uh, he came to them walking on the sea. This is just, I, I love the Bible. It just throws that out there. It doesn't tell you how he walked on the sea or, or how this works. But he's walking on the sea. And when the disciples see him walking on the sea, they were terrified. And they said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Actually, the, 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 the original language is not simply, it is I. It is, he said, Take heart, I am. Which is a, a, a Jewish uh, title for God. He said, Take heart, I am. Like, I'm walking on the water. <laughs> I am. And so Peter is the one who answers him and says, Lord, if you are. Command me to come to you on the water. I, now, I don't know about you, but I could have thought of a, a few more sort of tests for Jesus. If you are God, could you stop the winds and the waves, maybe? 
Uh, if you are God, could you like jump rope on the water? Walking's cool, but I want to see jump roping, you know? That, that would really convince me. If you are God, how about fire from the heavens or something, you know, something really cool, really big, or something that would really help me out? A million dollars in this boat right now. That would be sweet, Lord. If you're God, I mean, you know, just saying. But instead, Peter's like, if you're God, ask me to step out onto the water. I, because I've always wondered, well, what if it wasn't God and, and the devil's like, sure, step out. <laughs> you know, I mean, what, what? I don't know that Peter thought this one through. Honestly, it's, he says, command me to come. And so Jesus says, come on, Pete. So Peter gets out of the boat and walks on the water to Jesus. That's amazing. And that's what everybody focuses on because, honestly, it's the only time that a, a typical human, non-Jesus human has ever walked on the water. And so it, it is amazing. But then verse 30 comes, as verse 30 comes in all of our lives, I think, when Peter sees the wind, he becomes afraid, and he begins to sink. Has anyone ever sunk before? Uh, yeah, I, we won't ask for a show of hands. But probably all of us have sunk at some point. He begins to sink, and he cries out to Jesus. He does the right thing. He says, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reaches out his hand, takes a hold of him, and says to him, You have little faith. Why did you doubt? I'm thinking, dude, he just got done walking on water, but okay. But Jesus is like, why did you even doubt this wind and the waves? And verse 32 says, when they got into the boat, the wind stopped, and those in the boat worshipped him, Jesus, saying, truly you are. Truly you are the Son of God. Verse 34, when they crossed over, they came to a land at Gesenaret, and when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent all around to that region and brought to him all who were sick and implored him that they might only touch the hem of his garment, and as many as touched it were made well. This is interesting to me that we have this moment with Jesus and Peter out on the water. Peter walks on the water, and then he sinks and he falls. Jesus reaches and pulls Peter up out of the water. They get into the boat. And nobody says anything to Pete. Like, according to Scripture, they just go on with their day. <laughs> they, they get in the boat, and nobody says, Man, Pete, really, you know, that was pretty stupid of you. You are an idiot. What are you thinking? You can't walk on water with him. Like, that's him. This is you. There's this huge gap between you. And obviously, you know, you're going to learn from that one, right? You're not going to try that again, are you? Nobody seems to even notice Peter, in fact. They get in the boat, and everybody worships Jesus. They all say, wow, you are the Son of God. And nobody is noticing the fact that one of the very own in the community just sank. And he's, in fact, still dripping wet with his sunkenness. <laughs> he's got sunkenness written all over him. And they're like, okay, here's Jesus. Check this out. He's amazing. And then they get to the other side, and people are like, hey, can we, can, 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 can we get healed? Can we touch Jesus? And they're like, sure. And so the 12 of them just stay, they, they just form this assembly line, and they start helping people touch Jesus. It's amazing to me that all of them are dry except Peter, and Peter's there still drenched in his sunkenness. And they're like, come on, Pete. It's all right. You know, how about you stand here? We'll stand there. You stand there. We'll, we'll, we'll direct these people. That, to me, is the perfect example of why these disciples were able to eventually conquer the world, because they were a part of a group when you could sink and still get back in the boat. 
<laughs> they were part of a group that even if you were still dripping wet from your sunkenness, you weren't excluded from serving. You weren't excluded from community. You weren't ostracized until you dried off. You know, okay, well, Peter, you, you really showed us your real side here. You need to get over there, Pete, and then let the real like, disciples help out here because we don't want any wet people, you know, helping folks touch Jesus because this doesn't look good on us. This doesn't look good for us. That's not, that's not the community of Christians that I'm talking about. I don't know what kind of community you've grown up in or what kind of community you've seen in church before, but I want to let you know that at City Chapel, our small groups are a lot like this small group. You can take risks, you can sink, and you will always be invited back into the boat right away. And here's why. Because our focus is on Jesus. They weren't looking... It's when you take your eyes off of Jesus that you start noticing that everybody else. Oh, well, I think they're kind of slipping over there. I think something's going on with them. Oh, I think this guy's kind of, you know, he looks kind of wet to me. Did he, did Pete, did you sink out there? <laughs> What's going on? No, they're too busy looking at Jesus. And when Jesus is in the middle of your group, he just, he steals the show. Your failures don't steal the show. Your mistakes don't steal your show. Your sunkenness doesn't steal the show. Jesus steals the show. And when he steals the show, then everybody else just starts serving. Everybody else just jumps in and says, how can I, how can I help other people get to Jesus? So we're going to talk more about um, how to find your purpose next week. But this week, where you find your purpose is in community. You're never going to find it out there on the water by yourself. You're never going to be able to deal with your own issues by yourself. You need community to help you and to accept you unconditionally in order to help you get back on your feet. And so I'm going to list a few of our small groups. Actually, I'm going to go through all of our small groups. If you have your worship guide, I'd like for you to take it out at this point. You have your sermon note piece of paper on the back side of that sermon note piece of paper. This is true actually every week, by the way. Um, every week we, we list our small groups on the back of our, of our sermon notes. And so um, some of our small group leaders are going to go out right now, and they're going to start preparing a space out there in the hallway so you guys can go ahead and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we're also going to bring up the website, our, our techie um, Emilio back there. It's going to show us um, how you can find our small groups on our website. So those of you that don't know, we, uh, our, our, our web address is citychapelchurch.com. That's posted in all sorts of areas. Um, you can go to citychapelchurch.com, and this is uh, what it looks like when you have slow internet. Um, <laughs> and we do have slow internet in, in, in here. You don't, get, you don't get good signal in the, in the theater. But um, he's going he's gonna to pull that up. You go to members right there and click on that. And, um, but uh, for those of us that have a printout, I'd like for us to look at, that's right, under About Us, and then go to Small Groups. Click on that. And this will list our small groups. Um, There's a little note from me. And uh, our groups are starting this week. So our first group is actually starting tonight. But um, we have little pictures for each one. So let's start with the Women's Bethmore Bible Study up there in the top left. When you click on each one of these, you get a few more details. So let's go ahead and click on that. Um, the leader of this group, the Bethmore Bible Study, is my wife and Noah. Noah uh, is one of our worship leaders here. Um, Beth Moore, for those of you who don't know, is an amazing Bible teacher. So they're going to be meeting at our house, and they're going to be looking at um, DVDs of Beth Moore teaching, and then they're going to talk about 
the teaching. So they have a workbook, and um, this is this is a great group to be a part of. Obviously, my wife is there, so it's going to be awesome. Um, but uh, anyway, if you want to contact the leader, you can click down there, and they'll send an email to Roe and she will get back with you. But this is starting tonight. This is starting. This is the one that's actually starting today at 5.30 at our house. And so if you're interested in this, um, like I said, we're going to have all of our small group leaders uh, out there in the hallway, and they all have balloons on their wrist with the name of their group written on the balloon. So as you come out, and they all have their own table that you can sign up. Um, so as you come out, look at the balloons, um, and... Um, and it'll be awesome. Anyway, my, my wife is doing that group. Uh, it's a women's only Bible study. And then um, the, the next group I'd like to talk about that's happening on Tuesdays is the second and fourth Tuesdays of the month uh, is a group with Pastor James, a.k.a. T-Bear. He was up here leading worship as well, um, meeting at his house. That's the potluck family dinner right there. Um, yeah, you can go ahead and click on it. Uh, they're, they're meeting at his house, and they're meeting at 6.30 p.m. on the second and fourth um, Tuesdays of the month, and this is really um, just to eat and to talk. Yeah. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Um, and that's very spiritual, actually, in the book of Acts. That's, that, that's what the Bible says that, that the first church did. Um, as soon as those 3,000 people um, decided they wanted to follow Jesus, they said, okay, we're going to go over to so-and-so's house, and we're going to meet and talk. Why? Because that's what they've been doing with Jesus. Like, that's what the disciples have been doing with Jesus. They've been eating and talking. And so this is, this is the way that we connect in community. Um, and it's a potluck meal, so everybody brings their own, and um, it'll be awesome. Also, we have prayer groups on Tuesday nights. Um, Tuesday nights, uh, we have two different prayer groups, one that meets in um, Buda and one that meets in South Austin. Um, there will be a table out there for prayer groups. If you're interested in joining a prayer group, um, this is really complicated. What we do in prayer group is we pray. And so we need people uh, joining us for prayer. We just had 21 days of prayer, and it's, it's such an awesome hour of your day to simply come together with other Christians and say, I'm just going to spend some time in prayer. Um, also, on Tuesdays at 8 p.m., we're having our young adult group. Looks like our internet crashed, so that's, that, that, that's all right. Um, we're having our young adult group led by Emilio himself. Um, and this is uh, uh, the one uh, in, in South. We're having a Young Adult South and Young, young Adult North. Young Adult South is going to meet in San Marcos at a sweet little coffee shop called Wake the Dead. And so if you'd like to, if you live down that way, got some Wake the Dead fans. It is good. I like Wake the Dead. Um, some Texas State students. They actually didn't do too bad yesterday, actually. They kind of hung, hung with the big boys for a while. But, um, yeah, so uh, if, if, you're, if you're interested in being a part of the young adult group, um, see Emilio out there. And then also on Wednesdays, the next day, we're having our Energizers group. And uh, this is being led by Cheryl and Jim. Uh, this is for people who are young people who are over 50 years old. Um, uh, we, we weren't sure what to call this group, um, Legacy, uh, Golden something, I don't know. Um, but uh, Cheryl, I think Cheryl came up with it, because if you've ever met Cheryl and Jim, Energizers fits with them perfectly. So um, they're going to be meeting uh, up here in South Austin um, on Wednesday nights, and they're going to be going through a book. It's called Collide. Um, so they'll be working through a study book together, and um, it's just awesome to join with that community. Sometimes you need someone similar age to you, um, just like the young adults. Some of the older adults are going through things. 
uh, that young adults are not going through. And so they need to come together and, and encourage each other, and the Energizers is just the group to do that. Um, also, City Chapel Youth, uh, we're meeting on Wednesday nights. Uh, that's at 7 o'clock, so this is for teenagers. Uh, if you're interested, there's going to be like a game and a lesson, and um, Priscilla will be heading this up. Eddie and Priscilla, they're in charge of our kids' ministry, and they're awesome. I think Amelia will also be helping out with that. As, uh, Amelia's like doing everything, so... Um, anyway, if you have any questions, see Emilio. Um, all I do is preach around here. I don't, I don't do anything else. Uh, men's Bible study is happening on Thursday nights, and I'm excited about this because I'm helping to lead this and JT. And so me and JT are co-leading the men's Bible study. We're going through a, 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 a book called um, Experiencing Christ Within. And this book has changed um, several people's lives that I've, I've walked them through this book. Several guys, actually. And it's not really a, a guys-only book, but um, so many of us experience Christ on the outside. You know, like we, we go to church or we have a, the, like, like a mental belief in Jesus. But it's amazing when you start to experience him on the inside. So, guys, we're going to get together on Thursday night. This Thursday is the first NFL game. Um, so there may be some football involved. I can't promise anything, but um, anyway, uh, Young Adults North will be meeting on Thursday nights at 8 p.m. That's actually here in South Park Meadows, so if you're interested in joining the Young Adults North group, um, really they're going to be meeting and talking about different topics that relate um, to, to what they're going through right now, and um, they'll be walking through that. Young Marrieds is a group that's happening on Friday nights, and um, that's Ricky and Veronica. They're leading that. They're meeting in some different places, so they're, they're meeting in San Marcos sometimes and then meeting um, uh, Kyle sometimes as well. And um, this, this is for any uh, newly married couple um, to join. And so uh, they, they have an awesome group there. And they have this great community. They are the Christian community that we're talking about. Um, they Facebook each other all the time and text and just silliness, really. But uh, anyway, then we're also having a game night on the first Friday of the month. Uh, this is at Eddie and Priscilla's house, but they've moved it to the second Friday so that you all can come. So we're inviting you to join their game night. It's a family game night, um, and sometimes it gets a little competitive. Uh, Rick, Rick, Rick gets into it, um, but uh, uh, but it's but it's all good. We do the minute to win it games a lot of times, and that's anyway that's always fun. Uh, also, we're doing something called Father and Son Adventures. So we're doing outdoor adventures with father and sons. Um, and really any young guys um, that would like to have some mentors in their life. Um, if you're interested in this, um, uh, me and my little guy will be doing it. He just loves the outdoors. So it's like once a month, one Saturday a month. And so Dennis will be leading that up, and that's on the 3rd Saturday, uh, really from 9 a.m. to about 1 p.m. So um, those are our groups, and all of those groups should be uh, uh, ready and waiting for you out there in the front. Um, and that's really our, our altar call today is... Um, to go do it. <laughs> so we've been talking about Christian community, but we'd love for you to make a decision today to join a community. Um, if any of those groups speak to you at all, um, we'd love for you to try them out. Um, you know, um, we do let people leave groups uh, occasionally. Um, <laughs> if you don't like it, um, you know, we just, we just uh, uh, send you out. Um, we allow you to go to other groups, you know. Um, uh, <laughs> there's, no, there's, there's, there's no fine for leaving the group. You can just check it out and see if it works for you. And, um, and the best way to, to do that is right after service. The leaders of the groups are going to be out there with their round tables and their balloons. And go talk to them. Go ask them about the group. Ask them about their vision for the group. And just sign up and see 
and see what happens. I'm really excited what, about what could happen over the next few months, over this next semester, if, if all of God's people were to make a decision to get into community with each other. I'm telling you, it would help us. It would help you. It would help me remain in his love. It would help us stay uh, in what God's doing. It would help promote what God's doing in our lives.